The Narrator with Gregory Kong. Hi, there, everyone. Welcome. This is the narrator with me, Gregory Kong. This podcast is um, actually intended for me to share um, experiences writing stories, short stories in particular, over the years when I was in high school. And uh, this will be the compilation of short stories which were written, all right, um, throughout the years, and. Um, the uh, short stories consist of many types. For example, you have uh, mysteries, haunting experiences, love stories. Although I'm not an expert in romance, but still I'll try my best. And um, to kick things off, uh, today we are actually doing a short story that goes like this. Begin your story with, it was a fine day and we were all very excited. And we are supposed to write something that has turned into a disaster. So typically, most candidates would say that, um, well, for example, suddenly they run into an accident or uh, the, road were, the roads were blocked and they couldn't proceed to their picnic or there was a thunderstorm or there was a tornado and stuff like this, natural disasters, all right? But uh, this would be something different, all right? And um, I'm quite proud in actually thinking of this idea, which I didn't actually thought that it would come until I picked up the pen and I started writing. And this... This story, I think, um, it is inspired by those, um, what is it called, haunted films, I guess, Conjuring, <laughs> uh, Annabelle, I guess, I don't know, but uh, whatever it is, I hope that you enjoy. Stay tuned. It was a fine day and we were all very excited. It was decided earlier that we should visit the residency located at the fringes of town. Legend has it that the residency was once home to a high-ranking British official who came here with his family almost 120 years ago. The house, which still sits on top of the hill that overlooks the town, was built in a way that it was far from the hustle and bustle of the town below mostly inhabited by ethnic Chinese traders who settled here way before he did. Behind the house was once the land cleared for his pepper estate. According to local officials, the land on which the mansion sits cannot be acquired by the state as it is still a private land, but nobody knows who were the owners, including the so-called quote, British official, unquote. Thus, shunning the area from any potential developments. Believe it, many property developers had set their eyes on that hill and were willing to put their bet in it whatever possible price available. However, thanks to the state of the land, nobody could encroach and destroy that particular land. As time passed, however, the mansion fell into ruins and the pepper estate behind it is now overgrown with shrubs. If the walls could talk, it would be great as somebody knows the fate of the owners and their descendants. That is, if he ever had offsprings. 
the government had no choice but to leave it at a dilapidated state, as attempting to conserve the mansion was technically trespassing private property. There are many rumors surrounding the mansion, including one gruesome folklore which tells of the British official and the rest of his family members who were in the mansion then being murdered in their sleep one night by a drunk security guard. Fearing for himself after realizing what he actually did, amid panic among the official servants, he bribed the gardener who had the slain official's dead daughter buried and cemented within one of the walls. The rest of the family members' bodies were burned deep in a pepper estate in the middle of the night. However, many debunked that theory as there were no known official police reports filed about the incident. The Straits government at that time also did not receive any reports of missing British citizens in the Malay states. The Heritage Department merely described that the residents of the residency moved back to England after our country achieved independence. Contrary to the reality of the time, when great mansions like this will be covered in the state-run newspapers or at least the residents being photographed at a porch being found in the National Archives. However, no surviving records ever showed that the residency was ever resided by a British official. No family name, no known contacts, the mother of all legends were of the whole family's disappearance overnight after being abducted by aliens or they accidentally stepped into a parallel universe after taking a stroll into their family's pepper estate. With these in mind, our goal was to get to the bottom of this. And who knows, we might rewrite history that day by debunking all those legends. I always believe that occurrences in this world have a scientific explanation behind them. We bundled into our pickup truck before speeding to town from the budget hotel which we stayed the night before. To make things even more surreal, against my advice and wishes, my friends who were hardcore and charismatic paranormal hunters brought along devices to interact with any known spirits who might be with us then in the mansion. One of them was known as a spirit box, which uses radio waves to interact with the spirits. We had a good laugh when the box picked up signals from a radio station instead, until we meet again by Doris Day was heard. A precursor of a bigger event that was about to unfold that night. Frankly speaking, that song sent me the chills, although it was meant for World War II soldiers who died in a war. Hopefully, the broadcaster on the other end of the line didn't know what we were up to, and even if he was, he might be warning us about the impeding danger. My friend recommended that, of all the time in the world, we should be there not before 3am. I nearly bailed out when he suggested that. But looking at the cool gadgets which he brought, including infrared cameras, I was more interested in operating the talkies than actually trying to see the ghost of the young girl. Apparently, she will always be seen clutching on a baby doll before disappearing in a flash. I mumbled a prayer as we left the Tart Road, away from town where we had a great supper. 
up the hill, all on dirt road until the fate silhouette which depicts an arch loom overhead. Here we are, my friend exclaimed. Moments later, the spirit box sounded, and we could be sure that it was a fainting welcome. I slammed on the brakes and an air of stillness filled the air. I could hear my breath and even heartbeat apart from the screeching sound on the brakes. My friend wasn't surprised at all. He had probably prayed to all the gods before coming on this trip. I counseled myself, saying that it might be a radio interference from the local radio station. Again, although we could hardly get any mobile signals in here. Even my GPS had failed prior to this. One known ghost versus five burly young men. I told myself not to worry as this will be over soon. Hopefully. I parked the car under an old rain tree, praying that it would not topple over while we were away. Obviously, if our only mode of transportation was destroyed, it was akin to robbing a bank in a getaway car with flat tires. The moment I alighted from the car while my friends were busy offloading the equipment from the boot, I felt a little raindrop. The forecast didn't warn me of any approaching rain. After all, well, I never trusted the weatherman. The mansion was surrounded by a high concrete wall which had been sprayed with graffiti. One of them caught my attention. It was an outline of a skeleton popping out of the wall with a doll in its left hand. Perhaps fellow hunters came here to clarify their claims too. The rest, well, were initials announcing that they were here before us. Without further ado, we entered through the side gate as the main one was bordered up by a rusted iron structure which can turn into powder at any second. The silence was broken by the creaking sound of the rotten door. Flanking it was an unused guard post, probably exactly where the guard feasted on alcohol before going berserk. It was probably an engineering marvel once upon a time. The door from the once grand porch was nowhere to be found, so we just went in. On the steps leading to the entrance was a beggar sleeping soundly. We had no idea how he even got there, but hopefully there was not a dead body, just a person sleeping. We tiptoed into the mansion and flashed our torches. The ghost hunting geek set up a few spirit boxes at active corners of the living room that would go off if a non-human ever walked past it. We then broke into two groups and each of us will be in contact by using walkie-talkies. I held that device for my group. Throughout this, our body cameras were recording, hoping that we might pick up something unable to be seen by the naked eye while viewing the footages later. Just as we were about to split up, the spirit box picked up a hello of a male adult. Nothing was heard after that. So far so good, I told myself. The grand staircase led to the second floor and the upper hall was known to be more so-called active than the ground floor as one of the walls would be where the girl was alleged to have been buried. Up to this point, the cops have combed the area countless times and have not picked up any signs of a human remains within the walls. Ascending up the stairs, I could feel the temperature drop as the rain became heavier outside. Due to the conditions of the mansion, rainwater had, had seeped into the roof and into the house. We walked past a room which probably housed the family chapel. I would have run if I smelled sweet incense. 
my friend suggested over the radio that we should turn on a spirit box and set up a few more. People would have mistaken us as direct selling agents considering the great number of gadgets that we, we brought along. I obeyed and knelt down to set them up while my friend flashed the light towards me. I felt how much I've taken electricity for granted. No doubt I didn't feel the same for water as my supply will be disrupted at least once a month. Every Malaysian will understand this. The geek was indeed pushing ourselves to the limit by suggesting that we should sit down on the floor, light up a candle, turn off all the lights and wait. We were not bold until one of the candles extinguished on its own, a sign that the ghost was nearby. I had second thoughts right after saying yes. My friend on the other end of the line became more and more extreme in his quest to actually get in touch with one of the spirits as he then told me to, quote, hold a conversation, unquote, with the spirits around me. I handed over this task to my teammate as I wasn't ready for a reply. Nothing much happened actually, which was quite surprising and at the same time relatively disappointing as we were expecting this house to be a hive of activity. Many people have shared their experiences here. One of them were apparently yeah, uh, possessed and nearly jumped off the second floor but was soon restrained by friends who then brought in a priest to appease the spirit. Another account said that he saw the family pool at a courtyard filled with clean moving water but realized a second later that it was filled with mud, darkened and abandoned to the point of no repair a second later. The most haunting account was he heard screams, shouts and shots fired coming from the upper hall and in the midst of all confusions, he called the police who raided the area but found nobody even after one of the cops testified that he heard the sound of a girl crying from one of the rooms but couldn't find anyone. There were also accounts from the cops themselves who said that sniffer dogs were seen barking at nobody when brought into the mansion when it was thought to be used as a base for drug pushers. I was confident that even criminals wouldn't want to be there. We were in there for a good two hours until we realized that we weren't catching any fish today. We signaled each other to pack up before heading for the exit. We basically congratulated and high-fived each other as we had survived another night right here at the residency, although we couldn't actually see each other's faces as it was still dark out there. Dawn will not come until almost two hours later. Before entering the car, I called for headcount and we went. One, two, three, four, five, six. I acknowledged in satisfaction and entered the car. I then exclaimed, we survived, and the sound of our cheers drowned the noise of the engine. I then stepped on the accelerator and we were on our way home. Suddenly, a thought crossed my mind. I grabbed the steering wheel real hard and asked this out of the blue. How many of us again? <laughs>